0: What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast my name is kyle bierman uh matt hensley is uh off uh finishing up a mission trip in puerto rico right now and uh, so if you've been following him on social media at all you'll see some of really great stories that have come out of that uh so we uh, continue to be in prayer for him as they finish up there and head back this weekend uh, we are grateful for for he and, and of course his association of churches that are serving well Um, alongside uh, the Send Relief Center there in Puerto Rico. Uh, So today, we we are not joined by Matt, but we have a special guest uh, that if you have listened to the new Revitalize and Replant podcast with Mark Clifton, uh, you will know as the voice, as the host. Um, But today, we're joined by uh, a guy named Dan Hurst. Um, And uh, Dan is, uh, Dan, before I met you, I told a lot of people that Mark Clifton was the most interesting man that I had ever met, <laughs> and now that has been surpassed.
1: Oh, that's, so,
0: that's that's uh, know, that's that's actually um,
1: that could be a condemnation. Going <laughs> <on before.
0: laughs> but, but you know the old—I uh, think it was, it was a beer commercial. But you know the old, uh, the most interesting man in the world oh, yeah, commercials. Yeah. Um, so I've decided you are at the least the most interesting Baptist in <laughs> the world. Yeah. Dan Hurst, welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast. Introduce yourself to our listeners who maybe haven't heard uh, the pod, the Revitalize and Replant Podcast. Tell us who you are, what you do uh, about your, your family.
1: Well, my name is Dan Hurst, and um, I am... Um, really, my world is uh, has changed somewhat in these last few years of my life. I spend my life doing commercials and narrations and movie trailers and... Um, promos for networks and stuff like that. And I have a studio in my house. In fact, I'm sitting in my studio right now. And this is what I do. And I do this to support myself so that I can do what I really love. And that's what I feel God's called me to do. And that is to serve in ministry in uh, whichever way and whatever door that he opens up for me. And it all began on the mission field. My parents were missionaries. And I grew up in Honduras speaking Spanish. Spanish is my first language. And uh, from there, it just kind of blossomed. And I, when I was 13 years old, 14 years, 13 years old, uh, there was a, a conservative Baptist uh, mission team in Honduras that had a radio station. And I was really interested in that. And so we were all, all the missionaries in, in Honduras were all aunts and uncles. We were all family. And so Uncle Dave, David Jones, who was the conservative Baptist missionary there, I uh, said, would you like to come and learn how to work in radio? And I said, sure. So I went in and hung around and they trained me. And eventually they gave me my my first job in radio, which was playing Christmas music uh, for the missionaries. It was a shortwave radio station. And so missionaries all over Central America could pick up the station and they wanted they wanted me to play Christmas music. And so for the holidays, that's how I got started playing Christmas music. My first day on the job they forgot to give me a key to the radio station <laughs> so when i got there at whatever time it was five o'clock in the morning whatever it was and i got there and i had to shimmy up a pole and break in and on the second floor and that's how I, that's how my career started that should have been an omen right there <laughs> but, uh, that's where it all started and i started eventually uh um, eventually wound up in in radio uh, but I was in the pastorate, served in the pastorate for a number of years, and uh, from that, felt like God was calling me to work with churches at risk. And there's no other way to explain it other than it really was a calling. And I can remember spending time talking to some of the people that I trusted the most about it. Is is this the right thing to do? Because if I if I work with churches at risk, they're not going to be able to afford to pay me and uh, a salary that I can support a wife and and three boys. On, and so I knew I was going to have to get my own job and be essentially be bivocational. And you know, every one of those guys that I talked to all said, "You know what? If we had to do it over again, that's exactly what we would do." And it was such an affirmation. And so um, sure. I left uh, First Baptist Church of Tequesta, Florida, and uh, came back to the Kansas City area. My wife was actually from Liberty; is from Liberty, uh, which is a suburb of Kansas City and uh, started working with churches at risk and um, have been working in that capacity of, of one way or another for many, many years. But through that, I had to get a job and I got a job in radio because my degree was in broadcast journalism uh, before I went to seminary. And so I, I decided to use that as as my support. I did that and worked with churches and did that, did a morning show here in, in Kansas City for almost 20 years. It was, it did real well. It was a very successful show. And uh, one of one of those, I knew that the time was coming when radio was eventually not going to be able to uh, continue with, with the way it was going. And the, it was written on the wall that our days were numbered. And so and sure enough, one day they called us all in and fired us all and And said they were going in a different direction, which, of course, meant that we were going in a different direction. And I'd already started building up my voiceover business a little bit, knowing that that day was coming. And so that day, I I came back to this studio, as a matter of fact. And I called all the clients that I had started developing. And I said, well, I'm in this full time now. And the next day, I worked eight hours and uh, been working at that load ever since.
0: Wow. Wow. Now, you... So, if you're listening to this and you're hearing Dan's voice, chances are you've heard it somewhere before, right? Um, I, mean, I know you said you've done a lot of stuff for McDonald's. Um, you, you've done voiceover trailers. I, I was watching a baseball game the other day, and there was a Ford commercial. Are, are you me. the Ford is the best in Texas?
1: Yeah, guy? Yeah, that's, yeah. Okay.
0: That's me. When, when I heard that, I was like, I, I think that's Dan. Um, so, so talk to us a little bit about. Um, because you did all those things, but you also had this other gig that you did for about fifteen years there in uh, Kansas City. And Matt and I are both huge baseball fans, and so as far as I'm concerned, like this is probably one of the coolest jobs on the planet. Yeah. Um, and so, tell our listeners what you did for fifteen years there.
1: Well, I had started I had started full time with a station called KLSI, which eventually uh, became. Mix ninety three and bought another station called KUDL, and that was my 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 career essentially in radio was those between those three stations, and uh, when I first started full time with them, uh, the engineer came to me one day. This was my I think my first week, uh, and he said, "Hey," he said. Uh, the Royals are looking for a new stadium announcer. Uh, would you be interested? And I went, well, yeah. Who wouldn't be interested in something like that? I didn't have any experience doing it, but I thought, you know, how do you? you nobody does. I mean, how do you, how do you get experience doing that? So uh, I said, sure. He said, well, we'll put a uh, an audition tape together. And I said, what do you do for an audition tape for that? And he <laughs> said, oh, just pretend you're calling somebody into bad or whatever. And so I went, oh, okay. So I went into the little studio there at the, at the station that, that morning and I recorded a few things, you know, now batting and, and um, just some different things like that. And I sent it off to him and I thought, he, no, he, the, uh, the engineer said, I'll take it to him. He was going out there. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, I might hear from him. If I do hear from them, I'd probably be, you know, a week or two. And you know how that goes because hundreds of people apply for those jobs, obviously. So they would spend time going through all of those tapes. And so I got a call that afternoon and they said, would you like to come in and do a live audition? And I went, wow. So I went in the next day and did the live audition and about a week. Was that like
0: over the stadium PA? Is that what the, what yeah. the live audition is? Oh, man. Yeah. And that was,
1: that was nerve wracking because, you know, the sound comes back at you in a delay and you have to learn how to adjust to that. But so there I was auditioning, doing that. And uh, a little while later, they told me I had the job, which was awesome. And so I, this was, this was in March. And of course the season started right at the beginning of April. In fact, I think it was April the 4th was the first game, I think. And so I spent a lot of time just cramming and learning and, and, uh, going over, uh, uh, notes and, and scripts and all kinds of stuff like that and practicing and, uh, I'll never forget going out there, and I would have the whole stadium to myself. Essentially, I'd be up in the booth, which was right behind home plate, the best seat in the house. And I would be practicing these things, and it would be going out over the over the loud the the speaker system in the whole stadium, which must have been really nerve wracking for everybody that was working there. But anyway, that was the way it was, and that's what they wanted me to do. And one wow. day, uh, one day, I had a script and I was uh, practicing, call- getting, doing the national anthem, getting, you know, having people stand for the national anthem, that sort of thing. And George Toma, who was the groundskeeper, was down on the field and he was working on something and and uh, on the tractor. And and I just was practicing, you know, and telling the people to stand. It's time for the, the national anthem and yada yada. Take your hats off, cover your heart with with your ball cap and and uh, stuff like that. And uh, and then we were actually going to play. We had a recorded version of of the national anthem. And um, George Thomas stopped his tractor, got off, and stood at attention for the whole national anthem. I thought that was the coolest thing. And I thought, I am home. I love this. This is great. <laughs> great people to work with. And George was like that. He was he was a bit of a goofball, but he was a very patriotic goofball. But yeah, anyway, but... my my first game was was that that a few weeks later. And uh, wow. and I uh, started doing that for the next. 14, 15 years.
0: Wow. So as you're doing that, you're also pastoring a church and yeah. you have the number one morning show in yeah. Kansas. City. Dan, that's a lot. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what my wife said. <laughs> she kept saying, you know, this is a lot. You, you got to let something go. And, so, uh,
0: you know, what do you so, Yeah. So as somebody who's been a bivocational, tri-vocational pastor, um, I think uh, I wrote a blog post not too long ago talking about the coming reality and revitalization. That is that I think bivocational, co-vocational uh, ministries are going to become the norm. We're going to see more and more of those pop up just as as you have more and more smaller churches as inflation continues to hit. And, and I, just, I think there's going to be a lot more churches that are g- going to that either out of necessity, maybe some even strategically. And so, what were some of the principles that you learned as you're pastoring a church, and then working another full-time job, and then I mean, it, the, the baseball season. I mean, on the days when when they're in town, that, that's almost a full-time job as well. So, so, what did you learn about balancing ministry and and other you know vocational responsibilities during those years?
1: Well, I saw all of it as a ministry for one thing. Um, not all. I, I mean, I saw what I did at the ballpark as as opportunities for ministry. Uh, obviously, the radio station was an opportunity for ministry. We spent a lot of time on the air. I didn't. I didn't hold back from from my faith. I tried to be sensitive to people who wouldn't agree with me, but I. It was very. I think I made it very clear that I was a believer. And, and, and just Robert so our Christ, listeners
0: know, you were not in a Christian radio station. No. either.
1: No, this was a, a soft rock station, and uh, KUDL cuddle, and it was uh, it was uh, ninety eight point one. KUDL was the the station, and it was a uh, it was a uh, it was a, a an historic station, a legendary station. It had been around for years and years and years. And so, yeah, it was very much a soft rock station, and it was the kind of station that that adults listened to. And uh, and I, I, you know, I talked I talked about my faith. I talked about going to church. I talked about you know things that happened uh, in church. Pe- things that happened to people in church. So everything to me was the ministry was was well, all of that was just a tapestry if you will of of ministry but the one thing that i really discovered and i agree with you by the way on on the coming uh, change you know for for pastors and and churches i think we'll always have some full time pastors no question about that but i think the the trend is going to be bivocationalism yeah. which i like and 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 i'll tell you one of the things that i loved about it still do and that is I feel a greater connection to my people that way because they're mm-hmm. working stiffs and uh and I know what the pressures like I know what that's like to have to balance all of that and and to be so dog tired at the end of the day that you just what do you do your kids want to play with you or your wife wants to go out to eat or or you've got friends that, that want to get together what do you do how do you balance all of that and it's it's a it's a stretch it's it's difficult. And you have to set, you have to be so organized, I believe, so focused um, where you and, you know, your calendar becomes your best friend and everything. I've started learning to write everything on my calendar. I mean, I, back in those days, it was a day timer. Now, you know, you've got an iPhone, you can do it on that. But um, back in those days, I carried a a pocket calendar and I wrote everything. If, If there was something I needed to do, I put it on the calendar. And whether it was visiting somebody in the hospital or uh, finding time to prepare a message, or uh, answering business calls, things like that—all of that went into went into a calendar. And I found myself so liberated by that because if it wasn't on the calendar, then I probably didn't have to worry about it, and I didn't. And so I followed my calendar, and I followed that schedule. And that really kept me sane, I believe. Uh, And it also helped my wife know what my day was going to be like or what my weekend was going to be like.
0: Yeah. So now, in addition to voiceover work and um, and by the way, like I said, you, you're gonna. If, now that you kind of know Dan's voice, you you'll hear him <laughs> around um, earlier this year. Uh, I know I know you really don't like talking about this, but it is a big deal. You won the equivalent of the Oscar for voiceover work for, for movie trailers for <laughs> yeah. uh, the the HBO mini or, uh, HBO uh, Max miniseries uh, Winning Time. Yeah. And uh, man, so I mean that's a that's a huge deal. Congratulations! And now Thank to you. top it all off you know at the pinnacle of your career you've got this this brand new podcast with Mark Clifton and and Mark Halleck. so i mean obviously you know you've reached the top there's yeah. nowhere else to go no else here. to go
1: it's it's time to retire
0: <laughs> um yeah
1: that was that was such a treat because mark and i are have been friends for almost 50 years um we've known each other his his mom his dad and my dad were roommates in college and um and his mom and, and my my mom you know they all all, all of there was, several, there was about five men and their soon-to-be wives who hung out together at William Jewell, and they all went into the ministry, and God used those guys in a powerful, powerful way. Dad, mom and dad went to the mission field. Um, uh, Mark's uh, mom and dad went into the pastorate, ended up in Independence, Missouri for many, many years. And um, uh, there was a guy by the name of Tom Bray, who was a pastor at Nolan Road Baptist Church in Independence. And he gave me my first job in, in the ministry. And so you know these guys. Bruce Thompson came back. He was a dean of men at, at William Jewell College, and and uh, David Head went on to to pastor in in New York. So these guys, you know, God used these guys and and built a foundation in their lives of ministry, and that became kind of the format. Now, the, uh, you know, that's where 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 we discovered what ministry was all about. You know, Mark learned it at his dad's feet. I learned it at my dad's feet, and it it, it became that that understanding okay god this is where you're leading me i know you're leading me in this direction i'm not exactly sure how you're going to use me but i know i sense that this is the the direction that i'm going and so when mark and i became friends that was already in place ministry was already there so when mark went on with uh, with nam north american mission board and and uh and i was still uh, in the in, in the ministry in the pastorate uh it was it was one of those things that Uh, we just we knew that somehow or other we would our lives would just be intertwined over in and out it just kept happening over and over and over again so when mark um when this opportunity came up for the podcast he was saying like well we got to do this and and so okay i mean if that's if you think we should we should well he came here to the studio and we dummied up a um uh uh one of those one of those programs one of those podcasts just the two of us and it was just a, a sample and Uh, it must've been good enough to get accepted because they (laughs) were so.
0: Well, one of the things I love about it, and and obviously, I mean, I'm uh, getting to serve as the executive producer and just, you know, getting to be kind of behind what, what you guys do. um, It it really is. It's like listeners get to just come in and join in on this conversation that's happening about ministry and revitalization and and stuff that's happening. So as, as kind of the host, um, you get to throw out these questions to to Mark Clifton and Mark Hallig. What, what's been your favorite part of of that podcast so far?
1: Throwing them questions or comments that they don't expect—that's uh, <laughs> half the fun, you know. Because yep. I think that makes for a good interview. To be honest with you, I think it's it's being able to, you know, when I was in the, in radio, I got to interview some huge names: Paul McCartney, Smokey Robinson, uh, you know, just on and on and on. And these guys were—they were so used to being interviewed. That I didn't want to. I wanted our interview to be memorable, and so I started learning to interview in a way that they didn't expect. Asking them questions that they didn't expect, taking the conversation in a direction that that they didn't expect. That makes it, I think, so much more interesting and 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 uh, and honest and transparent. And I mean, there have been times on our podcast when I've asked a question and both Mark Clifton and Mark Hallett have said, I don't know, you know, (laughs) I don't know what 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 how to answer that. And and I love that. I love that that transparency that that says we're in this together. We're learning. And, you know, the truth of the matter is we're all three pastors. We've you know, we. And we're vulnerable. We've got vulnerable personalities. We we're we we bleed like everybody else. We hurt like everybody else. We have our feelings hurt like everybody else. And we're ministering to people who are the same way. Yeah. There's they're the same people, they're the same people as we are. And so we're connecting on that level that says, you know, we know what you're going through, and and we're gonna talk about things that are pertinent to you because. Uh, we know that they're important because they're they're important to us, and we're vulnerable and and focused on ministry just as you are, and want to learn. And so, I, I think that's part of it. And so, Halleck and Clifton are always talking about things that they read, and and you know, they those guys are avid students of yeah. of the Word, and so. They're always talking about the things that they've learned. And I think that makes for a great, great interview because they want to share. I mean, that's what uh, that we're told, you know, in, in Acts, we cannot but speak of the things that we have seen and heard. And so that's what we do. That's what we do in that podcast. We talk about the things that we have seen and that we've heard and that have made a difference in our life.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, and so if you've not already listened, please go to revitalizeandreplant.com. Check out that podcast. Uh, and it's on all the all the podcast platforms: Spotify, Apple, Google, as well. Um, you, and please you send your and
1: please send your offerings. All that's Yes. Of your off- send
0: them. yes. <laughs> and uh, Dan, thank you so much for for joining us today on Not Another Baptist Podcast. I have I have just a couple of rapid questions I want to ask you. Um, so, in all your years, what was your favorite interview that you did? Paul McCartney. Oh.
1: Yeah, um, I got you, I, I
0: was, down, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was uh Paul, we got we were the only uh, uh media outlet that got to interview him and um they of TV, print, radio, we were the only one that was allowed to interview him and they they brought us to the green room and at the stage was at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. And they said you'll have 10 minutes with Mr. McCartney. Well, that 10 minutes turned into 45 minutes. Wow. And he was just taught, he was so affable, he was so kind, he was and he just so easy to talk to. But I, you know, true to what I've said before, I took him in directions that he wasn't expecting. And he had just come out with an album, one of his wings albums, that and his son had played on it. So I asked him how that was. How was it? his son is a musician? He talked about it, and I said, But how do you feel about his music? And he said, Oh, you know, he you know, he He's he's a good musician. I said, No, 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 no. How do you feel about his music? The music he likes. And he said, Oh, I hate it. And <laughs> <laughs> he
0: said, Sometimes
1: I go to the bottom of the steps and I just yell up at him to turn that stuff off. And I <laughs> I got so tickled because that's what happened to us as kids. We'd be listening to the Beatles and our parents <laughs> would be yelling at us to turn that stuff off. And yeah. here he was yeah. yelling the same thing at his kid. It was great.
0: It was <laughs> great. And then uh baseball. What, what was your favorite baseball moment that you got to see? from the announcer's
1: booth. Uh I you know uh, we talk about this on I, I don't know I think we talk about this. Yeah, we did. We talked. Well, I don't remember if we talked about this or not. Um but it, when the when the when the St. Louis Cardinals, well, they played in the World Series in in uh in 85 and the Royals won and the Cardinals believed that it was because um there was a bad call by the umpire named Don Dinkinger. And, uh, as it really, it didn't, I don't think it had any outcome on, on the game mm-hmm. itself, but they want to, they choose to believe that, which is okay. And, um, a few years later we had had league play. And so the Cardinals were in town to play the Royals again. Place was packed. I mean, I mean, 40,000 people, I don't know how many people were there, but it was, it was totally packed out. And what you do is you introduce the players and all of that stuff. And then before the game actually starts, you introduce the umpires, You said, behind home plate, so-and-so, first base, second base, third base, yada, yada, yada. And I introduced all of the umpires. And then at the end, I said, and unfortunately, Don Denkinger couldn't be with us today. And (laughs) the stadium erupted. It just erupted. And boy, just a few minutes later, the president of the Royals came busting into my booth. And he says, is that in your script?
0: You know, and I said,
1: well, no, that's not Script." inscription. Then why'd you say it? You know, and I, because it felt like the right thing to say. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that was one of the more fun things. Oh
0: man that's great well folks as i said dan is I-, I believe the most interesting baptist in the world and uh so be sure to check out revitalize and replant and then uh dan i sent you our sign off yeah um and uh we for the last five six years or so we've used this but but never i i, I just want to hear it in your voice as we sign off. so y'all thanks yeah. for listening today and uh and dan is gonna sign us off
1: may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare
0: (laughs) we hope you enjoyed that episode but as a christ follower you are called to obey the great commandment and you are called to pursue the great commission southwestern seminary will encourage you to love god with all you are and will equip you to serve god wherever he calls whether you're just beginning your journey or have decades of experience southwestern seminary will equip you to live your calling This seminary
1: is grace-filled, Christ-centered, scripturally grounded, confessionally guided, student-focused, and globally engaged. Learn more about Southwestern Seminary's core values at swibits.edu forward slash core values. What's wrong with you people?